All right, if you want to follow along, this will be on the screen. Um, we're going to start uh, in John 14, and then uh, I do have some stories for you, but we're going to save those uh, just a little bit. John 14, we're just going to read, starting in verse 1, just a little bit. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the message translation, and this will match the screen. Uh, if you're in a different translation, just follow along. And this is subtitled, uh, The Road. Don't let this rattle you. This is John 14, 1. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my Father's house. If that weren't so, I would have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you. And if I'm on my way to get a room ready for you, I will come back and get you so that you can live where I live. And you already know the road I'm taking. Now, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Thomas pipes up with this answer in the next verse, verse 5. Master, we have no idea where you're going. How do you expect us to know the road? Now, I, do, I just want to pause because this is actually a theme. We, we often elevate the disciples. They, they were regular people just like us. And I, I can't tell you, if you go back and dig through many of these stories, they often missed it. They often didn't quite understand what Jesus was getting at. They sometimes took things at face value when he was communicating something so much greater. And I think there's an invitation for us to realize sometimes we're probably in the same boat. Sometimes what Jesus is trying to say to us, he's revealing to us by his spirit. But if we just take it at face value, we might miss what he's actually wanting to say. And so that's why we need the spirit's help to hear what Jesus is saying to the church. But Jesus answers this question in verses 6 and 7. Jesus said, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You've even seen him. Now, that seems like kind of a contradictory statement. Of course, us, we have the benefit of hindsight. We, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt, looking back, that Jesus was the Christ. He was the Messiah. He was God in flesh. And so he's, he's telling them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because Jesus, in the way he lived out his life here on the earth, was the perfect representation of the heart of the Father. Sometimes we struggle with this because our, our God is not physically here in ways that we can see him you know so it's like and and those who are critical of christianity might say you know well you're worshiping something that's just a figment of your imagination it's just you know new age pop psychology you know you're talking to the ghost in the sky well we know that he's much more real than that but jesus when he came to earth actually put flesh to that and actually uh, saying to the disciples, I have come to represent the Father's heart. I have come to express his intentions towards you and to make a better way. This analogy of, of the road, we talk a lot here in this community about our journey with Jesus because it is a journey. It's not just a decision. We all, I shouldn't say we all, we most We'll have a point, you know, if we were to map our life out on a line, we might be able to point to a spot, oh, here's where I 
met Jesus. So for some of us, it was more gradual. For some of us, we feel like we've always known him. Some of us, we've not known him very long. But it's a journey, right? It's not characterized just by a point in time. Jesus says, I am the road. So if we want to know this God, which we do, I hope, we talk all the time about our relationship with this real and living God in a way that actually makes a difference in our life. Jesus is telling us here, he is the road to that destination. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus in the Christmas story, which we know is, it's more than just a story, but in this narrative of Jesus coming to the earth and being born of a virgin uh, in humble circumstances was about him showing to us that he wanted to identify with our experience. He wanted to come and be with us. He wanted to establish relationship that removed the barriers between us and the Father. Something that we could not accomplish on our own. The old covenant way was beyond our ability to fulfill. And so Jesus said, I'm going to come and make a new and better way where everyone, regardless of their experiences or circumstances or anything that they might describe about their life, is able to access this way because Jesus is the way and he made it possible. Jesus cuts a path for you into your future that leads to a destination in God. This is what we're going to explore here for a few minutes this morning. Jesus is the one who cuts a path for you into your future that leads to a destination in in God. In other words, if we're talking about traveling down a road, and yes, we're saying Jesus is the road, a road leads somewhere. If I were to go out here and, you know, hop on Route 6, now if I go north, it does lead somewhere, but it, it stops pretty quick, right? But that could be a destination. If I go the other way, you know, wrap around, I, I might, my destination might be downtown or might go on 74, but, but typically when you get on a road, you have a destination in mind. I don't know how many of you grew up in a small town or are familiar with the concept of just, Brittany knows what this is about, cruising Maine. Our town was, is small enough that, you know, it's like back when, you know, when gas was much cheaper. But there's like nothing to do in these tiny little rural towns. And so one of the ways we would kill time is just literally cruising up and down Main Street, see who's out and stop and hanging out with people. You know, it's like, but that's not typical, right? So that was maybe not a destination. But I would say probably in every other circumstance, when you get in your car, you have a destination in mind. We're going to get there in a minute. The first thing I want to talk to you about out of this passage is that Christ is the way to experience the Father's love. And so as much as I wanted to go ahead and plant that seed about our destination, it's also about the journey. And in the journey, whether it uh, feels good or bad, whether the season is uh, one that you're celebrating or one that you're lamenting or anywhere in between, in the journey on this destination towards God, Jesus is the way to experience the Father's love. 
I want to share a, a couple of, of short stories for you. Um, these are from some friends of ours uh, up in Canada, and they had just sort of collected these stories. They were doing a series on experiencing God. And so they asked folks to just share some of their sort of testimonies and experiences of sort of the first time that they encountered God. And see, there's, it's one thing to to learn about God, but to encounter him in a way that is undeniable and that is tangible. This first one is from uh, Carol Arnott, who's one of the uh, lead pastors at a, a former vineyard church now called Catch the Fire uh, in Toronto. And uh, this is from a point way earlier in her life. She shares, I was in a horrible spot. I thought I was having a nervous breakdown. I thought everything in my life was falling apart. I was in the bathroom. I had put the boys to bed because I was feeling depressed. And I'm not normally a depressed type of person, but this night she was feeling really down. She says, I heard an audible voice and thought, oh my gosh, it's my ex-husband. He's breaking into the house again. It started and stopped five times. I checked the house thoroughly and there was nothing. Finally, I thought, I must be having a nervous breakdown. I'm hearing voices. So I threw my toothbrush in the sink and said, all right, I'll listen. And this voice, this audible voice began to speak to me the 23rd Psalm from the beginning to the end. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And it kept going. About three quarters of the way through, suddenly I knew it was Jesus speaking to me. And I knew that he loved me. And all the sin that I was in and all the pain and all the anger and all the problems, I knew without a shadow of doubt that he loved me just like I was in that exact moment in time. To wrap up, I ran to my dresser where I had my confirmation Bible in a drawer in its box. I got it out and I read the 23rd Psalm over and over and over. And the more I read it, the more love poured into my heart the more assurance poured into my heart. Did my circumstances change in the moment? She says, not for a while. But God's transforming love, that encounter with his presence and love, changed me forever. Many of you could probably think of, of things that have happened in your life where you have maybe unexpectedly run smack dab into the love of Jesus in a way. And I've often, I've often prayed this for people that the Lord would surprise us that, that he would break in, in those moments. Where we're not even necessarily asking for it, but out of the abundance of his love that pours from the father's heart, that he would find us in those deep and dark places in those desolate moments and that he would break in and speak to us in a way that only he can speak that kind of encounter with his love can change everything now don't hear me as saying this is minimizing uh you know sort of meeting jesus and and deciding to become his follower but we need encounters with his love and and i want to emphasize to you this is not a one-time thing. Because I, I did, I've told you my story before of encountering Jesus for the first time and the experience that I had sitting on the front row of the Baptist church that I grew up in and feeling that draw to come and say yes to Jesus and 
feeling as if there were thousand pound weights holding me back and, and, and being able to break through and, and, and it, you know, initiate, begin that relationship with Jesus. But friends, I haven't been able to live the last 30 plus years of my walk with him based off of what I experienced in that moment. I have needed to encounter him again and again and again. I've needed those encounters with his love to transform my heart, to soften it, to transform the way that I think. Another way we could say this is that encountering the love of Jesus is simply to be in his presence and to experience all that is there. And when we enter into an intimate experience of his love in his very presence, it really does have the potential to change everything to actually alter the trajectory of your life. And I hope you hear in this message this morning that if you're not happy with the current trajectory of your life, it's possible for it to be altered. It's never too late to experience the Father's love in a way that it totally changes the whole trajectory of your life. I want to share one more quick story. This is from a gal named Chloe Glassborough. said, The first time I encountered God was in Bath City Church in 2003. I'll never forget going to this giant auditorium. There were about 1,700 people in the room, and we went to sit at the back. I remember feeling, what is in this room? Then I heard John Arnott, who's the husband of the gal from the last story, speaking about the Father's love the Holy Spirit, and who Jesus is. They invited us to come forward, and the invitation to come, in the invitation to come forward, I forgave my earthly father a lot of things. Some unkind things, some things he shouldn't have done, and some things he didn't do that he should have done as a father. In the midst of that forgiveness, I had an encounter with God And in that moment, the power of God hit me and every single sickness that I was carrying back then, every single sickness left my body. Epilepsy, arthritis, cystic ovaries vanished. The moment I felt God, my whole body was healed. There is that kind of transforming power available. God can encounter you in such a way that it literally changes your physical chemistry. That, that is a possibility. And, and we don't control that, right? But we need to believe with faith that it's possible. That in coming and encountering Jesus, and you notice there, she was harboring unforgiveness in her heart in the midst of allowing God to heal that wound and and supernaturally enable her to extend forgiveness where it maybe wasn't even deserved, she was able to encounter the love of Jesus in that moment. All right, we're going to come back to this in a little while. I want to keep moving. Christ is also the way to experience a fearless heart. So not only is it experiencing the Father's love encountering us, but it's also healing and changing our hearts in a way that allows us to move away from fear and deeper into love. 
Jesus is the way to experience a fearless heart. This arena of fear is one of the great battlegrounds of the human heart. Fear, I know you can all identify this in one way or another. Fear can have the greatest effect on our heart condition, on our emotions, on our attitudes, everything. And I want to just, I don't like to make things overly black and white, but I think if we boil it down to to a basic level, every response we have in this life is rooted either in fear or love. Every response that we have to whatever happens to us in life is rooted either in fear or love. And Jesus' word would tell us that perfect love casts out fear. And so I think if we're struggling with fear, we probably just need more encounters with Jesus' love to help drive that fear out. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 4. This will be on the screen as well. Oops, flipped right past it. 1 John 4. Verse 17 and 18. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, now pay attention to this. This way, love has the run of the house. It becomes at home in us and mature in us so that we're free of worry on Judgment Day. Our standing in the world is identical to Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, or you could say fear of death, fear of judgment, We could go on, fear of man, so many other things, is one not yet fully formed in love. Now, you can hear that and take it in a way that you feel condemned, or you can take it in a way that you feel invited into possibility. Fear cannot exist in love. And so when we are experiencing fear, it's an invitation and an opportunity to invite the love of Jesus to come and wash over us again. Not that something that you have to deal with yourself. When I feel afraid, all right, I got to, you know, I got to get brave now. I got to, I got to get things in order. No, actually, I think the father loves it. When we come to him, Jesus, I am terrified. I am confused. I, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Well, if, if I do this, what is that person going to think or that person going to do? I think one of the ways to deal with it is just to be completely honest before the Father. But don't ever end that prayer without also inviting him. But Jesus, I know that you are perfect love. And I invite you, in the midst of this fear, in the midst of this uncertainty, I invite you. Would you come and would you help form my heart more fully into a place of love? 
Did you know that when, when you're fearful, let's just take the fear of man as an example. When you, because I've experienced this, I don't know if you have, uh, but at different points in my life, I have, I have come up against this, where you know what the right decision in a certain circumstance is. You know beyond the shadow of a doubt, this is the right thing to do. And almost feels like in commensurate measure, you know, if I make that right choice, this person is, is, this is going to get really difficult really fast. This person is not going to like it. It's not going to be comfortable. It might endanger my relationship. And, and you have no doubt about what the right choice is. But you're fearful of what that person is going to think or do. You're fearful what might happen to your relationship. And the truth of the matter is, you cannot have fear of man if you have a fully formed fear of God. We need to... Now, you, I, I don't probably have to break this down. We're talking about fear of God. It's not the kind of fear where we're saying we're afraid. I care more about what my father who loves me thinks and says than what... Now, it doesn't mean that I dismissed people in my life, right? So we're not... We're not it's not an either or. But I should care more about Jesus forming his heart of love in me than another person's opinion. It's not a permission to be dismissive or to not listen. But we can't let other people bring on more fear than caring about what God says, what God thinks, what God, what God has designed you for, what he has called you to, the choice that he's putting before you. We've illustrated this uh, this way before. You know, we've said the difference between fear and love. You could also think of the, the story in the garden and how Adam and Eve had the choice between all of the trees and, th- and the one that God said, don't eat this one. And that's not because he was trying to withhold something from them or trying to punish them. It's because he loved them and he was trying to set them up to be rewarded. The same is true for us in our life. Every decision that we come to, it's like there are two trees planted in your garden and God is trying to help you make the right choice to move towards reward, to move towards full and abundant life, to move towards love. But you always have the choice to choose the other tree. You always have the choice to choose fear, to choose to bow to things that are not God. You always have that choice. Now, as soon as you make that choice, there's two more trees planted in your garden. You get it, you're going to keep getting choices. But we need to ask Jesus to help us, to cultivate in us, to form in us a heart that is not only full of love but strong and brave to make the difficult choices that are moving towards love and not the easy sometimes choices. Okay, perfect love drives out fear because, as we were just saying, fear has to do with punishment, right? Is that not the root of it? When I'm afraid, uh, uh, it's a, I'm afraid of a form of punishment. I'm afraid if I say this, you're not going to like me anymore. And that, that's a fear of punishment. I'm afraid that if I do this, the thing that I want is going to move further out of grasp. That feels like a punishment. The one who fears is not 
yet made perfect in love. This is what First John is telling us here. So I would ask you, even just now here in the middle, what does this mean to you? What is Jesus saying to you? Jesus coming was meant to put fear to death. We could go back and, and we're going to in a future week you know, read more of the, the account of the Christmas story. But you know it well enough. Think about the shepherd's hearts, the opportunities they had to choose fear. Think about Mary's heart. Think about Joseph. They all had opportunities for fear. And Jesus has come today to help us experience moving towards a fearless heart. All right, one more. Christ is also the way to experience a hope-filled destination in God. We, We mentioned this in the beginning. Jesus Christ came to make a way to experience a hope-filled destination in God. Now, we could have used the word destiny, but sometimes that has some weird connotations and baggage. But if we go back to this analogy of the road, it's like experiencing the Father's love, being transformed, being made new, allowing Him to form in us a formless heart. These things help us on the journey, but we need to never forget what is our destination. Now, I want to be really clear here. We're not just talking about the day you die and go to heaven. We're talking about destination in God. And that's actually possible to reach here, that we can reach a hope-filled destination in God, that he is our prize, that he is our destination, that he is our everything. You see, we we sometimes like to segment this out, that, you know, this is the Christmas story, and it's, you know, it's cute, and it's nostalgic, and we love the pictures of the baby Jesus and the nativity and, and, you know, all the things wrapped around that, And, and I don't have an issue with any of that. I, I, I love it. It's one of my favorite seasons. But we can never forget that it's not just a story in a book that we like. It's part of something bigger. Jesus sent his son to put on flesh to reach you to make a way to the Father. To enable everything. that we're, The whole reason that we're assembled here today is because we are people of Christ. We are Christians, Christians. We gather as the people of God to worship God, to learn from God, to be formed in his heart so that we can leave this place and have an effect on the world around us, to bring light in the darkness, to bring hope where there's no hope, to feed those that are hungry, to do all the things that we're about. And that's all wrapped up in this cute little baby in the Christmas story. Because it's the beginning of a new way, a way to be not just associated with the Father, to be with him, to be in him. Do you remember we go back to that verse? In Christ, our standing is identical to Christ. And I don't know if we understand how real this is. The verse that many of us could probably reference, 
No longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. That's real. That, that's not just like a, a, a philosophy that we ascribe to. It means the person that I was is no more. Everything that I live now is Christ trying to live through me, making a way to the Father, eliminating the obstacles, eliminating, uh, you know, in the Old Testament system, my way to paraphrase it, it's like there was always a middleman. There was a high priest to intercede between the people of God and the Father. And Jesus came and said, I have a better way. I have a way that you, and this, and this means you individually, you specifically and personally can have direct access and intimate relationship with the, not only the Father, but the creator of all the universe. The one who we sing about, that he's majestic and that he's holy, that he's wonderful counselor to pick up on some of the Christmas themes. All of that is true, and we need not lose sight of how big God is. But in the same measure, he is personal. He is interested in a personal, intimate relationship with you. And Jesus, that we're celebrating this season, makes that possible. So my invitation to you today is to receive the blessing of Jesus, which is God's love expressed to you this Christmas season. To embrace his way forward into a hope-filled destination in God and to allow him to form you in the journey. I'm going to offer one more invitation that I think is just a call to action for those of us who already know Jesus. We need to not only be praying, but paying attention and watching for those who are experiencing and living in fear this Advent season. For those that are struggling, we need to be paying attention and, and, and praying and also calling people into the invitation of what we already have access to. See, this way to the Father, it's for us, but it's also for everyone else. And sometimes, I've, I've said this you know, probably more times than you care to remember, you might be the key ingredient in somebody else's story. And so as you are formed in love, one of the things that being formed in love does is it takes my eyes a little bit away from myself and, and, and I'll start to see others more. I'll start to see with God's help how he is forming their heart and how I can partner with him to bring hope to those that are feeling hopeless this Christmas season. So... I just want you to think as we wrap up. How is Jesus your way this season? What obstacles are in your path that are preventing you from being more fully formed in love? I would encourage you as one practice that you could consider during this season is to begin uh, journaling some of these things. And to actually take and split it into two sections. On the left side, write down uh, what earthly figures in your life say about you. 
whether it's a biological father, a father figure, uh, a, a close friend, a grandma, you know, wh- whoever it is, but someone uh, that you love and trust and has shown care for you. And on the right side, begin to write down the things that, you're hearing God, that you are hearing God say about you, your heavenly Father. And as you do that, pray through those statements. Allow him to speak into that, to illuminate those. And ask the Holy Spirit, this is the key, to re-script your mind with God's loving thoughts about you. So don't just take the things that he says and write them down and say, that's nice, I'll put this back on the shelf. Hold on to them and ask Jesus to help rewrite the script in your mind because we all have those narratives, right? We all have the things that we think and say about ourselves or that we think others think and say about us. Allow God to rewrite those narratives. Allow him to speak what he sees when he looks at you. And in that process, be formed in love. Jesus, we thank you. We invite you, even now, Jesus, to come and begin to encounter us, to begin to rewrite the narratives and scripts in our mind, to begin to break down obstacles and walls that have prevented us from coming more deeply into your presence. And we invite you, even now, Jesus,